Coming up. She said this, quote unquote, I had the perfect family. I had beautiful daughters. I had two beautiful daughters. This was my picture perfect family. And I never knew this would happen. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. It's been 16 years since 25-year-old Nicole Sincouli was murdered in Oceanside, California. So the candlelight vigil going on throughout the evening. Nicole Sincouli was murdered 16 years ago today. Her parents tell me everyone is welcome to light a candle tonight at Tyson Street Beach and Park. This month, her killer is asking for parole. Petitions at the vigil were presented for people walking by to sign to keep Eric behind bars. Regina Ahn, reporter with CBS 8 in San Diego. You've been looking back at a case that's now 16 years old, the murder of Nicole Sincouli. Can I have you start by telling us a little bit about Nicole, what you've been able to learn through conversations with family and friends? Yeah, so Nicole Sincouli was, um, you know, the life of the party, very friendly, uh, just an outgoing person, 25 years old at the time of her murder. And, you know, her family tells me that she really didn't know her beauty, her, that she was, you know, well-loved, well-liked because of this sort of domestic violence situation that she was in that she had no idea she was a part of. And interestingly enough, a couple of uh, weeks before her murder, she had filed a restraining order on Eric Merrim, who is the murderer in this whole incident. And shortly before everything happened, she actually called the restraining order off. So that was something new that I learned today from from her mom that wasn't a part of the investigation at all. So yeah, she was just an outgoing, loving, very friendly. Her mom said that she would walk into a room and know everybody's name in five minutes and have a nickname for everybody. Nicole could walk into a room full of strangers and within five minutes, know everybody's name and have a nickname for them. And they would all be her best friend. So she was very well-liked, very well-loved by a lot of people. One of the reasons I think it's important to talk about cases like these as awful as it is, is that there are often warning signs that others who might be in abusive relationships could recognize. Were there any other warning signs that we know of or a history of abuse in this case? Yeah, so her mom, Claudia, told me that she was actually slapped once. That was something new to her. She didn't know about it, but they ended up finding this out a little bit later. A lot of uh, domestic violence situations, from what her mom tells me, is often not spoken about. It's usually kept sort of under wraps, and that's what happened with Nicole. Um, You know, on the surface, she was very, you know, she loved Eric with all of her heart, wrote, you know, numerous letters. You can see dozens of letters if you go on uh, the website, Nicole Sincouli. Uh, and if you look at all of these articles where she was just head over heels in love with this person. And so there was no indication, there was no sign that she was a victim of domestic violence. But her mom tells me that there were, you know, there were red flags that she didn't know of. You know, she uh, he verbally, verbally abused her. You know, there was times where you know, she says that her mom says she was 
told that she was ugly or she wasn't as pretty as she comes across that, you know, and her self-esteem was really affected by that. So, you know, a lot of times you won't be able to notice it if it's a friend or loved one that's near you. You really do have to ask those questions and see those red flags. If you're someone who is potentially a part of something like that or a situation where you are being either verbally or or physically abused, it's something that you want to acknowledge and know that there are people out there that really truly do love you and want the best for you. And I think that was, you know, the overall message that her family after 16 years wants to spread is that domestic violence is real and, you know, you never know what's going to happen to you until it does. And that's what Claudia repeatedly told me was, you know, I had, and she said this quote unquote, I had the perfect family, you know, I had beautiful daughters. I had two beautiful daughters. This was my picture perfect family. And I never knew this would happen. And so we really do need to step up and understand that domestic violence is real. And if you are a part of that, please, please speak up. Today marks 16 years since the brutal murder of a North County woman. So for Nicole Sinkuli, this was all going on leading up to October 16th, 2005. What happened on that date? So yeah, October 16, 2005, um, Nicole was sleeping in her bed, in her room, and Eric Merrim had a hammer, and we now know that he actually did think about which side of the hammer to use, either the blunt side or the claw side. And in court, he said that he used the claw side because he knew that would kill her faster. And... What happened was during the course of the evening, he was high on crystal meth and was also drinking with his neighbor. And he went in, and this is according to Claudia, uh, Nicole's mother, he went in several times to hit her in the head with this hammer while she was sleeping, uh, a total of 13 times. And uh, the exact number of times he stepped outside to to take a breath, to talk to his neighbor. That's still unknown, but there were several times where he went in and out of the room to kill her. And then um, after 13 times, he left the hammer in her head and the neighbor called police. He was found in downtown um, downtown Oceanside and that's where he was arrested. And then a year later, went in for sentencing. He had it, meditated it in. Um, he meditated he found the hammer that was hit on him, and he proceeded to hit her 13 times and um, leave the hammer in her head. That is that is what upsets me the most, because it's so disgraceful. And she was not that type of a girl, and um, he didn't need to do that. Tell us about Eric Merrim's sentencing. What was the end result of the case against him back in 2006? So what happened was it was actually 15 to life, but because of the domestic violence aspect to the situation, it was 16 to life. And so here we are 16 years later and... um, you know, they do have to go through this uh, process again on November 18th is when they will be able to see whether or not 
Eric is going to still be behind bars or if he's going to be out free. So at this time, Claudia is garnering signatures for a petition to keep him behind bars. And, uh, you know, she tells me that he is actually trying to be a domestic violence advocate once he gets out of prison. And so this is sort of all a weird predicament and situation for the family to sort of digest because they're all still very fearful of their lives. I'm fearful for my daughter, my older daughter. She had to move out of state because he was at her window that same night. And she's fearful for her life. She has nightmares every night. Um, I'm fearful for my husband. I'm fearful for us. The whole entire family is still very nervous. I mean, it's still a very emotional, painful situation. So they don't want him out again because they, in, in what they say is, once a killer, always a killer. And that's what they're saying is that they're nervous that they're, they're going to be confronted, you know? And it's interesting that Claudia tells me that you know, he's a very smart man, you know, majored in psychology. Both of his parents are psychologists, um, very well-educated family. But, you know, this can really happen to anybody. And it doesn't matter what level of society you're in. You know, this can happen. And so, um, so yeah, that that's what happened. That petition you mentioned, it has over 6,000 signatures at this point. I assume that's something that the family will be able to share with the judge at this hearing? Yes, they will be presenting this. And, you know, um, Nicole's mom tells me that she doesn't know how many signatures she needs to pull this off. She doesn't know, you know, all the logistics behind it. She just wants help from the community. And she wants this case to be known and her her daughter's name to never be forgotten because of, you know, of the situation at hand. And so this is definitely something that she will be presenting and also um, that they're going to be all, you know, this is, going to be all through Zoom. So she's going to be having her entire family over and this is going to be a big deal. This is a big deal for her and her family. My daughter, Nicole, was murdered in her bed in Oceanside. And um, this year is a little bit different. We light candles for her every year on the 16th, but we have a parole hearing coming. And um, the person that killed her wants to get out of prison and we're asking the community to come together. We just passed the 16th anniversary of Nicole's death and I know the family held a candlelight vigil to honor her. Can you tell us a little bit about that evening and what they said about how they still honor Nicole all these years later? Yeah, so Claudia and Glenn, Nicole's parents, do this every year in Oceanside. They held, they have this candlelight vigil where there's no beginning time, there's no end time to this. They have people from the community and also people who know about the situation come out and light a candle. And it's still, you know, when I was talking to Claudia that night, it's still very raw to her. She's emotional, she was crying, you know, and she still hasn't gone over the situation. You know, her her youngest daughter and her you know, essentially her baby is, you know, it's still so close to her heart. And so it's still a situation that even though it's almost been two decades, it's still very raw. And it, she can't get over what happened that night, especially because of the brutal nature of the murder and of the horrific details that she's, you know, even now 
starting to learn a little bit more and more. It's something that she is still dealing with and is probably going to, she says she doesn't know when she'll ever get over it. It's something that she deals with every day. She says she cries every day. She thinks about it every day. It's it's something that she can't get over. I mean, it, I just had a conversation with her just about, you know, 30 minutes ago before our talk and she was in tears again, you know, just talking about it. So it's, it, you know, the vigil is very, it's very sweet and endearing and it brings a community together. But for the family, it's still something that hits so close to home. It's something that they can never forget. So it's almost reliving that horror again every year. But she's doing this because she wants the community to know the story. And also as his parole hearing is coming up too. So this is, you know, this this particular candlelight vigil was a little bit more significant than the other years. And speaking of sharing Nicole's story, you referenced a website earlier that the family has set up to do exactly that. Can you tell us a little bit more about that website? The family set up the Nicole Sincouli Foundation. Uh, you can find that at NicoleSincouli.org. It has, um, you know, the family did set this up to explain not only what happened to their daughter, but more importantly, the first couple of words is if you are in a domestic violence situation, use the internet cell phone and call someone. I mean, they are advocating for people to please be aware, um, you know, and that is their biggest message. And yeah, so you can learn more about that on NicoleSincouli.org. They also have a Facebook page and they're trying to not only get the word out, but also make sure that Eric stays behind bars. And that's their biggest, um, their, that's their biggest goal right now. And for anyone in a situation where where it's safe to use the internet or to use a cell phone, I'll mention, as I have on a few other recent episodes, you can reach the 24-7 National Domestic Violence Hotline by calling 1-800-799-SAFE or by texting the word START to 88788. You can find more information online at thehotline.org. Regina On with CBS 8 in San Diego. Thanks for sharing this story. Thank you. Thanks again to Regina On, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're here with a new one every day of the week, Monday through Friday. And if you're looking for more podcasts after that, be sure to check out our weekly podcast, True Crime Chronicles. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. <laughs>